This is a Holy Baptist Church podcast, bringing you into a community in which everyone is welcome, lives are changing, and Jesus is King. Thanks for listening with us today. We would invite you to subscribe so you can keep up to date with us. But for now, we pray you enjoy listening for what God has in store for you in this episode, and that it helps change your life for the better in Jesus' name. Enjoy. What does existential mean, Neil? Well, we had this conversation before we started. And Sue said, I, 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 you can own up I'll as well. Say, I owned up. I, I only learned what this word meant a few years ago. And I only found out what it meant <laughs> about 11 o'clock last night. I actually looked up the word ex, existential. And it means to do with existence. Yeah. And why do we exist? Why so, yeah. So, uh, apologies for my, my, my lack of knowledge. <laughs> um, but there we are. But people, more and more people, I guess, are having existential crises. Yeah, they're, they're, so. they're thinking, what is life? Um, all about so it's really sort of big questions yeah. I guess I guess most of us do have we, we don't talk about them very much or certainly blokes don't, don't no no it's quite deep though isn't it yeah. I think um, yeah. yeah it's why we're here what, what's, why are we going to work why are we here yeah, yeah. yeah. why yeah. we wake up every morning yeah yeah you know what, what is what is the meaning of life and the universe and yeah. if you're of a certain age you're the answer is 42, but you have to be probably, I don't know, knocking on 60 yeah. probably to remember Hitchhide Guide to the Galaxy, yeah. that sort of thing. I think it was 1970s, and the answer was 42. It was yes. a, a meaningless thing, but um, um, people of a certain age do tend yes. to remember that. But, um, yeah, I actually looked it up as to what is the meaning of life, what the internet says. Okay. And it's really quite depressing. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, one of the answers was survival. Oh, but the only reason that we that we're here is to survive. Yeah. You think comes if that's if that's that is quite a sort of depressing mm-hmm. answer. Um, another answer, which I guess is probably more popular, is um, the meaning is whatever you whatever you ascribe it to be, which means life can be whatever you want it to be, yeah. which I guess is probably what a lot of people um, yeah. a lot of people yeah. live by. Um, there was another one that said it's also with uh, interacting with the environment and other people, slightly more positive. Yeah. Um, um, but as Christians, we think perhaps there is more to it than that, yes. and that's what the sermon series um, is um, going to look at. So if you um, if you've got those questions, um, if, you, if you've ever had those questions, maybe you just put the back of your head again. What is life all about? What is the meaning of life? And then um, I guess this. Four weeks, I think, the series. I think it's four weeks. I think it's four weeks. These four weeks um, will be a really good four weeks for you to look at, either live on a Sunday morning or or, or catch up um, on demand afterwards. Yeah. So that's um, so that's what the series about. Um, I think there's a there's a sort of intro video to um to introduce it. Let's let's watch that. What's the meaning of life? Is there purpose behind it all? Let's dive into the ancient wisdom of the biblical book Ecclesiastes to find answers. Learn how to face life's ups and downs with wisdom and uncover the beauty in life's complexities. Join us for a month of discovery and growth. Thanks, Daz. Thank you, guys. 
we're going to be using the Bible this morning. We use the Bible every, every Sunday morning, just in case you're new here and you think we don't. Uh, we do. And uh, there are Bibles at the back there if you want to grab one, or you might have the app on your phone. Uh, the words will be appearing on the screen when we come to our main reading. Um, but it's sometimes useful just, just to have the physical book in your hands and see where everything is in comparison to each other. As you saw from the video, we're going to be looking at a new series this month over five parts of a book that maybe you've heard of, but might be a book you haven't really read. And that's the book of Ecclesiastes. Um, we, last month, um, did a series on finding your place, which was about being part of the church, how you can become uh, find your place in the church. You can catch up on uh, that series on YouTube if you missed any of it. And if you missed our going deeper last Sunday evening with my discussion with Ian and Neil around just going a little bit deeper with that topic, you can catch up on that as well. But we are going to be looking at the book of Ecclesiastes. And I'm really excited about this. It, it may seem a little bit deep and a little bit serious, but actually I found this in, incredibly exciting and invigorating. I've been looking at this for about the last six, seven months, and I'm just really excited about sharing some of the insights and us delving into this uh, together. Life is hard. Not always, fortunately, but sometimes life can be difficult. And life has its complexities. Life has its complications. Life, sometimes you just need to have a bit of guidance. You have to know about where, where is my place in this world? How do I react and interact with the world around me? How do I find purpose? How do I live well amongst all the complexities of life. How do I live in the reality that there's a God that's created the universe and has created me? How do I live in the reality of the story that the Bible tells me? See, that is what a group of books in the Bible is all about. It's a group of books called the wisdom literature. There's Proverbs, there's Ecclesiastes, which we'll be looking at this month, and Job. And really what it's doing is it's, it's taking a pause on the amazing story that the Bible is telling us. If Some people have gone up to do the Bible course. And really the Bible course is there to tell us the story of the Bible. See, the Bible is a collection of books. It's a library. There's loads of books in this. But overall, they tell us a story. They tell us a story of God's involvement and interaction with this world. And in particular, it tells us the story of God and his chosen people the Jewish uh, nation, the Israelite uh, nation. And you can go through the Old Testament, split up the Old Testament and New Testament. And the Old Testament is very much that story of that nation of Israel. Um, they're ups and downs. Sometimes they're doing great. Sometimes they're doing absolutely rubbish. Sometimes they're following God's purposes. Sometimes they're turning their back on God. And we can follow that journey in the Bible. But what the wisdom books do, they go, okay, let's just take a pause from that story. Let's just step out of that for a moment and let's ask ourselves the question, how does this story about this nation Israel, this big picture stuff, how does that apply to me and my life? How do I live my life as an individual in light of this worldview of God's involvement in creation? Daz has already shared with us a proverb uh, this morning. Can we have it, are we able to have it back up again? So this is an example. So book of Proverbs is, um, 
is really just a whole lot of wise sayings, as Dad said. It's written as like a father writing to a son. And it follows a simple, a simple formula. If you do this, then this will happen. Okay? So whoever walks in integrity walks securely. But whoever takes crooked paths will be found out. If you do this, then this will happen. If you do this good thing, then good things will happen. If you do these bad things, then bad things will happen. It's a very simple formula. And it picks up on this theme in the Old Testament that's constantly um, gone back to where God says, if you follow my commandments, I will bless you. If you don't, then things are going to go badly for you. And Proverbs very much picks up on that. And really, it's, it's pretty straightforward, common sense stuff. And if you had some maybe modern Proverbs, it might be a bit like when you get the cigarette packets, and it says, what does it say on it? It says, smoking kills. Okay? And it's usually got a horrible, gruesome picture on there to try and put you off smoking. That simple thing, that if you're smoking, it's going to affect your health. Or it could be, if you don't, when you're crossing the roads, if you don't look left and right and stop looking and listen, then you might get knocked over. Okay? Simple formula. Um, if you want to live well and live a long life, then you need to remain active. You need to eat well. You need to look after yourself. These simple things, you do this, and this will happen. The problem is is that we know that when we look at our lives and the lives of those around us, life is not that simple. A plus B does not always equal C. If we do these good things, it isn't always good stuff happens. And when we see people doing bad things, sometimes they get on quite happily in life. Life is not always as simple as Proverbs say. I know... A friend of mine, his, his father died early 60s from lung can cancer. Never smoked a cigarette, but died very suddenly. Or it might be, I remember in the news, a mother with a small child got knocked over by a, a drunk driver just walking along the path, wasn't even the crossing the roads. And then you've got those super fit people that are maybe running or, or cycling, and they just drop down dead with a heart defect that was never discovered. Sometimes rubbish stuff happens, and we're left going, what on earth is going on there? God, what, what were you doing? You said, if, if I did these things, then this would happen, and that just doesn't seem to be the case. I remember my father-in-law. He was he's a very tall man, but he was quite portly, let's say. And he decided he was going to lose weight. And he went to Weight Watchers. And when he does something, he does it 100%. He puts his whole heart into it. And he lost loads of weight. And he got down to his target weight. And do you know what happened? Had a heart attack. Fortunately, because he'd lost that weight, things were a lot less worse. He's perfectly healthy uh, now. But sometimes we do things and we don't get what we want or what we expect. And we're left wondering, God, what is happening? That is what the book of Ecclesiastes is all about. It looks at Proverbs as saying, mm, really? Because I'm looking at the evidence. I'm looking at my, my life. I'm looking at the lives around me. And it's not that simple. And it's not that straightforward. And what we have here, we're introduced to someone who's called the teacher or the preacher. And I'll talk a little more about that in a moment. Who's deconstructing his faith. He's questioning things. And we're encouraged to question things 
2. So, if you've got a Bible, we're going to turn to Ecclesiastes, which is about in the middle. It's after Psalms and Proverbs, already mentioned Proverbs. There's Ecclesiastes in my Bible. And over the next five weeks, we're just going to kind of jump through the book. But I encourage you to maybe you might want to read it yourself. It's about, there's 12 chapters, so it won't take you very long. Um, but we're going to have uh, now, we're going to have read to us chapter 1 and verses 1 to 11. It will appear on the screen now. Ecclesiastes 1, verses 1 to 11. Ecclesiastes the words 1, of the teacher, son of David, verses 1 to 11. Jerusalem. The words of the teacher, son of David, teacher in Jerusalem. Utterly meaningless. Meaningless. Everything is meaningless, meaningless says the teacher. Ought to people gain from all their labors at which they toil under the sun? Ought to people gain from their generations which they but the earth remains forever? Generations come, rise, generations go, but the earth remains and forever. And back to where it rises. The sun rises, the wind the blows to the south and turns and to the north. Back to where it rises. Round it goes. The wind blows to the south and turns to the north. Round and round it goes. The sea, yet ever returning on its course. All streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full. To the place the streams come from, there they The eye never has enough of seeing, nor the ear its fill of hearing. What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one can say, look, this is something new. It was here already long ago. It was here before our time. No one remembers the former generations, and even those yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow them. Bit depressing, isn't it? You can kind of imagine the tone. I was thinking, if Proverbs is Winnie the Pooh, Ecclesiastes is Eeyore. And it's like, oh. and you kind of get that sense of feeling. But what you've got, you've got two characters in the book of Ecclesiastes. You've got uh, the author of the book of Ecclesiastes is anonymous. We don't know who he is. And he introduces us to the teacher or the preacher, depending on which ver uh, version of the Bible you look at. And then the, the author comes in in the last chapter, that'll be the last part of this series, and he kind of just gives a, a, kind of a few things for us to contemplate when we get to the end of Ecclesiastes. But really the teacher is saying, the, the author is saying, here's a guy that you need to listen to. Here's a guy who's going to take your faith a little bit further, take you a little bit, another step forward in, in depth into your faith. And the, teach, the, the author doesn't necessarily agree maybe with everything the preacher says, but he thinks it's really important that we listen to him and we consider and we think. The preacher, the teacher, is taking on a persona of King Solomon. Now, if you don't know who King Solomon is, he was the third king of Israel. He was renowned not only for his wealth and prosperity, but also particularly for his wisdom. Now, I don't think it was actually Solomon here, but it's someone with that persona. I'm writing in a Solomon-like character. And it talks, says in verse 1, the words of the teacher, son of David, king of Jerusalem. Meaningless, meaningless, says a teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. 
meaningless? Is life meaningless? See, we live in a society where we are finding it difficult to find meaning in life. And interestingly, I hadn't really thought of this until I heard a song recently on the radio, a song by Baby Queen, and, and it's, it's a conversation between people. Someone saying, I can't find meaning in life. Life is so bad, I'm struggling. Have you not seen the world around us? And the person says this, a life devoid of meaning is a life of total freedom. A life devoid of meaning is a life of total freedom. See, people in society today face with, with just the rubbishness of life and no meaning. There's no foundation. There's no church or religion or stuff like that. They're just left with no meaning at all, no guide in life. And actually going, you know, that's really great. I can do whatever I want. I can be whoever I want to be. I can just live a life of total freedom. That's how society is living. Now, does that tie in with what this teacher is saying? Meaningless, meaningless, everything is meaningless. See, I don't think meaningless is particularly good translation in this, in, this, in this book. Now, if you don't know, this book wasn't written in English. It was written in Hebrew originally. And, and someone has to go and they get a group of people, a team of translators, and they go through the Bible and they try and translate what is this going to mean in English? And it's not a simple task. And I'll tell you why it's not a simple task. The word that they translate here as meaningless is hevel or hevel. And what it means is vapor or smoke. Life is vapor or smoke. Vapor or smoke. And some, this NIV here translates it as meaningless. Some translate it as futile. Life is futile. Older versions say life is vanity. But what is actually the author trying to say is, you know, life, it's like, it's just a vapor. Here we go. This is visual aid. There we go. Do you see that? You might not be able to see it if you're watching online, but that's life. You can see it. My hand gets a bit wet, but I can't hold it. It's gone. It's intangible. It's, it's fleeting. It's temporary. It's there, and then it's gone. It's a vapor. It's a smoke. It's a bit like if you're going in an airplane, look out the window and you can see the clouds. You're above the clouds. It looks so solid. It looks like you can just step out and stand on the clouds. I would not advise it because you'll just find there's nothing there. And life can be like that. You can see these things in life and you go and grab it and try and hold on to it. Try and build your life on it. And it's just a vapor, a nothingness. It's intangible. It's there and then it's gone. And really in this book, this word Havel picks up on two meanings. The word, first one, which we're going to pick up on this morning as I briefly look at verses 1 to 11, is this idea of life being fleeting and temporary. But the main meaning through this book is that life is an, an enigma. Life is a paradox. Life doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. So, verses 1 to 11, we had read to us by David, who will be preaching next Sunday, by the way. What is it trying to say? What is he, in this introduction to, to the book, what is this teacher trying to tell us? Well, we live in a busy, a busy, hectic life, moving at pace. The stress and the strain. I, am a, I, I think I asked this question last week, are you a driven person? I am a driven person. 
I'm constantly looking at, at moving on to the next thing, making things better, improving myself, improving the church, making everything better. I'm trying to build something, build a legacy that's going to last. And yet the teacher's saying, you know what? You can strive as much as you want. You can have the biggest leg legacy you want. You could be Winston Churchill. But you know what? In a few generations, you're going to be forgotten. Everything you have worked for, whether it's your own business, whether it's moving on in, in life, maybe it's that big home or whatever, all of it is going to be gone. It is not going to last. And give it a few years and no one will remember who you are. Just walk around a graveyard. Look at those stones falling over, worn by the, the uh, wind and the elements. So you can't even see the names on the gravestones anymore. That is the fate of all of us. And he's going on to say that, you know, this, everything just goes round and round and round. History just goes in circles. And you may think we're going to go and get somewhere and we're, we're progressing as, a, as humanity. But in reality, we're not getting anywhere. We are no different now as human beings than two and a half thousand years ago when this book was written. And this flies in the face of the humanist ideal of things could only get better. Anyone a Star Trek fan here? Don't be ashamed. You can put your hands up. I'm a big Star Trek uh, fan. Star Trek is all about the future where humanity has sorted out all its problems. They're all living in harmony and then have, now they've taken off from the, planet, from the planet Earth and they're going to the rest of the galaxy to try and spread in an almost evangelistic sense what it, how to live life well. And there's this quote from um, Star Trek First Contact. Hey, we have quotes from Star Trek in this church. This is great. This is Captain Picard in the Star Trek film First Contact. He says, the acquisition of wealth is no longer the driving force in our lives. We work to better ourselves and the rest of humanity. That's the future that Star Trek points towards. A bit like H.D. Wells, the futurist who wrote War of the Worlds and The Time Machine and things like that. He, in response to the First World War, said this is going to be the war to end all wars. The war to end all wars. He thought, this is so terrible, it's just going to stop all wars forever. Is that the case? No, nothing changes. Nothing changes. Things don't get better. They just go in circles. And what really struck me, and I don't know if you're into history, but do you know how long the Egyptian empire, with all the pharaohs and stuff, do you know how long that lasted for? Over 3,000 years. And what's left of it now? Some rocks and stones in the desert. And you compare that to maybe how long... You know, this country's been here just, you know, just over a thousand years in its current form. We can put so much effort into life and it's gone like that. It's just vapor. It's a bit depressing, isn't it? I cannot promise that we're going to have a joyous time this month. But I want to, and actually, if you get to the end of the book, it's fine. But what my challenge is, is to try and give you a bit of an uplift at the end of each sermon, because otherwise you're going to go out of here and think, I'm not coming back to that again. I'm flipping it. What, what, what are they doing in November is going to be much more in, encouraging. And this is the bit where I just want to get, get some perspective on life amongst all this mess and 
vapor stuff. Yes, nations come and go. Empires rise and fall. But what the Bible makes clear to us is that you and you and you and you, in fact, all of us mean everything to God. That the craziness is, and the billions of people that have lived on this planet in the past, in the present, and in the future, God knows you as an individual person. He knows you, he loves you, he cherishes you. All you've got to do is read Psalm 139. I'm not going to read it now because it's a little bit long. But if you want to look up Psalm 139, and the psalmist, it's like a hymn book to the Jewish nation. And the person who's writing the psalm is singing this song of praise to God, saying, you know me. You saw me in my mother's womb. You knitted me together. I can't go anywhere where you are not. It talks about being wonderfully made by our creator, God. So you matter to the God who created the universe. You are everything to him, so much that Jesus died on the cross for you. That your name is written on his hands. And because people matter to God, people should matter to us as well. That actually, we can't, we don't know what's going to happen in the future. We don't know what's going to happen in a minute's time. We don't know if anyone's going to remember us in however many years. But what's important is the impact you have on people now. As a church, what's important is the difference we make to people's lives. It's people like Reese, whose life has been impacted and changed by an encounter with God that knows him and loves him. So the discipleship he's had from Rob, from the meeting people like you, that is what matters. That's your legacy. And it doesn't matter if you're forgotten. What, is the, dif- what the difference is that you've made a difference to people's lives now. And I don't know whether this church is going to be here in 10, 50, 100 years' time, but what matters is what we are doing now. And the difference we're making to people's lives because we're introducing them to Jesus. So that's the one main thing. The second thing, and I find this really encouraging, is that we are living in this world of vapor and smoke. And we're, we're struggling to see what's going on. We're struggling to find a foundation. We're struggling to find something to hold on to. I love these words from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. This is the words that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. And I'm just going to read you Eugene's interpretation of these words in uh, the message. He says that there's more here than meets the eye. There's more here than meets the eye. The things we see now are here today, gone tomorrow. But the things we can't see now will last forever. Things we see, they're not going to be here forever. But we worship a God's. And we're part of a kingdom that will never end. And we can find security and safety and solidity by building our life on that kingdom rather than the vapor that we see around us. And Paul also says to the church in Corinth, you know, we see, we don't see things clearly. I like the translation, it says we see through a glass darkly. We see 
through vapour and mist. But there will come a time when God's kingdom will come and we will see clearly and there will be no more vapour and no more smoke. Everything will be as they should be. So I hope you enjoy our journey through Ecclesiastes. And what I love about Ecclesiastes is it cleans away the false paths, the fake paths that we can end up going down in life so that we can see better the truth. And sometimes that can be painful, and sometimes that can be difficult, and sometimes that can be depressing. But all of it, and that's what's exciting about Ecclesiastes, is so that we can end up building our lives on Jesus and finding a sure foundation in him. We're going to just take some time to reflect on some questions, and then we're going to pray, and I'm going to ask Daz and the band to come back up again. So let's reflect now on these questions. What is important to you in life? In light of today's passage, do you need to reconsider your priorities? Where do you place your hope? Do you need something more solid to hold on to? today's episode of holy baptist church podcast we hope it's prompted you to want to follow jesus hopefully a lot but even just a little bit more closely if you have any questions about what you've heard in today's episode or you want to know more about what it means to follow jesus you can email us gotquestions at holybaptist.org.uk we'd love to hear from you it would really make our day if you want to hear more from us just a reminder you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and you can download the holy baptist church app from the apple app store or google play to hear it as well simply search holy baptist church Thank you again for listening to Holy Back to Church podcast. We pray God will bless you and we'll see you next time.